This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is a special Oscar nomination showcase episode of ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We are a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And, of course, at the top of this episode, I just have to make mention that uh, this episode is sponsored by Horror Movie Yearbook from the Midwest Podcast Network. Uh, Horror Movie Yearbook is a uh, spectacular uh, horror movie podcast where they take a few uh, movies from a specific year and uh, analyze them based on uh, and analyze them based on quality and also contextualizing them into the pop culture of the year and uh, current events of the year that it was released. It's a really great podcast, a lot of fun. They have a lot of fun like little uh, interstitial games that they play in between each each uh, each movie. So there's a ton of content there and it's a horror movie yearbook, yearbook which you can find on Twitter at HM Yearbook and on uh, the internet at horrormovieyearbook.com. And uh, also, if you're in Indianapolis and planning to attend Indiana Comic Con the weekend of uh, April 14th to the 16th, um, here in Indianapolis, I'm going to be hosting a panel um, on hosting a solo podcast. Uh, that panel is going to take place on Saturday, April 15th at 6.30 p.m. So if you're going to be in uh, in uh, Indiana Comic Con, uh, come, check it, uh, come check that out. And I hope I don't stutter and fumble that much on the actual panel. <laughs> um, so, Tiny, how are you doing? I am terrific. Great. We just recorded a... Uh, uh, a soon to be published in the coming weeks uh, episode with uh, Tommy and Chad from uh, By the Rights game. The, yep. Yeah. The, Super fun. So much fun. We yeah. played uh, several rounds of, of their uh, part, movie pitching party game um, on the podcast. And I'm really excited for people to check that out because it that was a lot of fun. And that game is so much fun. Um, it's really fun. Yeah. I highly recommend you guys checking it out. It's available on Amazon and at uh, ByTheRightsGame.com. Um, all right. So tiny, what are we doing today? Uh, it's Oscar season. It is. And we are super late to the party. Yes, we are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's Oscars or the Oscars are coming out this weekend or the Oscars are being shown presented um, this right. weekend. I think I might actually watch it this, this year. Yeah, um, I the last too. couple of years I haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so as we are as we usually do on the podcast, what we're going to do is uh this week on the podcast, we have a special episode for you. It's our uh 89th Academy Awards nominee showcase. Uh that's a little bit of a misnomer. It's our third or fourth um fourth? Yeah. Sure. Fourth. <laughs> uh our fourth time doing it. Uh yeah, it's our fourth uh annual Academy Awards nominee showcase where we have other podcasts submit clips of themselves uh discussing the the nominees in a specific category. Um and we have we have some great uh podcasts joining us this uh this year. Um I kind of ran out of time um, so there's there's so there's a little bit less uh podcast than what we're used to in years past but we have some really good ones um including boob tube buddies which we were both guests on for uh for to talk about uh, uh black mirrors episode the waldo moment um a couple months back 
Super fun podcast. We also got Kate's Take Reloaded, uh, which is local podcast. Uh, it's it. She's Kate's Take is great. Um, we also have uh, the nerds you're looking for. Uh, great friends of ours. Uh, great podcast as well. All of these are great podcasts. That's the kind of going trend here. <laughs> we also have Intermission, uh, also returning, and uh, Poor Man's Process, also returning. And newcomers to the to the fold here is Apathetic Enthusiasm. Uh, so we have clips from all those shows. We're going to be playing them throughout the episode, um, and then we're going to talk about our. Uh, we're going to talk about certain categories for uh, ourselves. <laughs> and that's a let's let's go ahead and get started with that tiny totally. All right, let's start with uh, best documentaries. Okay. Features. Right. And uh, let's go ahead and I'll start off by reading off the nominees. Okay. Fire at Sea, I Am Not Your Negro, Life Animated, OJ Made in America, 13th. And Tiny, I know you've seen 13th. Have Mm -hmm. you seen any of the other ones? I haven't seen any of the other ones. See, me neither. And I Am Not Your Negro is actually playing uh, at Keystone Art. But I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Gotcha. Um, That's going to be a recurring theme in this episode. I haven't seen it. it. Same here. Yeah. Same here. This but is probably the wor- least prepared I've ever been. It, I'm just about there too. Yeah. yeah. So um, sorry, Oscars. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, Tiny, is OJ Made in America. It's the ESPN documentary. Right. It's there's some uh, debate over it being. You know, I don't know if there's how vocal it is, but I know that. I mean, it's like a seven-hour documentary. Right. I, is it technically a feature, or right. would that be more of a TV miniseries? Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's an odd placement, but I think it was intended to be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, an eight-hour movie, basically. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah, I uh, I started it because it's on Hulu. Um, I started it after I watched uh, American Crime Story: uh, The People versus O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Uh, I didn't get that far in it because I didn't. I didn't have time i didn't really realize that it was that long right um but yeah i i, I really want to check it out because just the way that uh that ryan murphy and company presented it in american crime story uh made me really want to dive into it and and uh learn more about that that case nice yeah um so tiny why don't you talk a little bit about 13th yeah uh 13th kind of has an interesting thesis about the 13th amendment uh, to the constitution, which abolished slavery. Um, but it it has the thesis that it kind of reinstituted a new form of slavery in the criminal justice system, uh, the, the prison system. Um, it's, it's a very interesting thesis and I enjoyed it a lot and it's, it's, it's being talked about a lot for a reason. It's great. Mm -hmm. So I'd be fine if it won. Yeah. I think judging from the buzz, um, it might either come down to that or, uh, I'm not your Negro. I've, I've heard really, uh, positive things about that i wish i would have seen it but yeah yeah so that is the best documentary feature um Mm -hmm. and let's see next i think we're going to play a clip from uh apathetic enthusiasm um for best visual effects so here's apathetic enthusiasm with the best visual effects category hello everybody this is travis hey and this is brandon and we host apathetic enthusiasm which is a bi-weekly podcast over on apatheticenthusiasm.com uh, we also host a couple other podcasts. You can find those over on the website. Uh, but but we are here to discuss the category of visual effects. Uh, Brandon, do you want to do you want to list who our nominees are in this category? And let me let me get my envelope. Oh, this who who you're not supposed to lick the envelope. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, here we go. Deepwater Horizon, Doctor Strange, The Jungle Book, Kubo and the Two Strings, and Rogue One, A Star Wars Stories are your nominees for Best Visual Effects. What are your uh, thoughts, Travis? I, I got to say, uh, this is usually a category that is that is kind of rushed in in the in the Oscar presentations on the show. Um, but I, I happen to love visual effects. I'm, I'm really big into these kind of movies that are sci-fi or action films that use a lot of CGI and things like that. Um, and this is a, a great group of, uh, films. The, the only one I'm not terribly familiar with as far as, uh, the, how much effects were used is Deepwater Horizon. Yeah. Um, I'm familiar with the story. Um, and I know that I think it's based on a true story. Yeah, it's about um, the the guy who uh, flew the plane into the Hudson. No, <laughs> right? That's, that's nope. That's uh, that's Sully. I think oh, Sully, Sully. Sully was that one. That's uh, right. This is one where where like a uh, an ocean uh, oil rig thing yeah. that's uh, like blows up or something. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm guessing that they probably do that in a way that looks really realistic. Right. Um, and then and it I, starts it starts uh, sinking, and then there's a giant shark that eats Samuel yeah. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, and you propose right when Jaws pops out of the water, <laughs> if if I remember correctly. Uh, so anyway, uh, honestly, with with the other nominees that are in this category, um, I I probably just have a hard time believing that Deepwater Horizon has a shot. Yeah. Um, just because there's so much fantastic and uh, really imaginative stuff going on in the other categories, it's it's hard for a a story that is a true story. Um, or that's supposed to look like the uh, portrayal of real events to hold up against some of the uh, really outstanding effects in some of these other films. That's right. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. Um, but, you know, the, the weird thing is Doctor Strange, also based on a true story, that has some fantastic <laughs> visuals. Uh, the whole, it's like, it's basically at times an M.C. Escher drawing, and I think that's fantastic. They're, they're, it, Doctor Strange is so over the top, I think, with some of that, where they're, um, they got cities folding on top of themselves and just, uh, the, the, really the design, the visual design of that is, is amazing. And I could see that, um, edging out in in this category, but I almost wonder at times it's almost, it's visual overload yeah, and it's, uh, it's almost too much, um, if I'm being honest. And so while I did love the film, uh, I'm not sure, I, I think, I think it's got a good shot at it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. I, I, I think what, uh, distinguishes Dr. Strange is that, that set pieces are really, really excellent, excellently designed. Right. But that's, you know, in, in between those, those major set pieces where they're in the mirror dimension, like then it's, it's not really that all that visually compelling. Right. Yeah. It's it still, I mean, it's still a well shot movie, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, um, it's not like a constant force of uh, yeah. effects. Uh, and I would um, say that too about uh, Rogue One. Sure. Yeah, I I think Rogue One does a really good job of of matching the visual style of the early Star Wars films mm-hmm. um, because of where it takes place in the chronology of the Star Wars universe. I think they did a really good job of of matching the style. And there are some great effects in here, and obviously as uh you know i think i think any time that there's a star wars movie out uh it's going to at least get a a, nom- a nomination of visual effects but uh it's 
I don't know if I don't know if it's better than any of these other films uh, yeah. in that category. I mean, they it, they do a great job, but I don't think they relied too heavily on it. Right. And, oh, and, and then you had you had an issue too with <laughs> uh, some of the CGI in, in in this movie too, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So spoilers if you haven't seen it. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of the way Tarkin and Princess Leia look. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, and not it, it's it's still not. Uh, t- past the uncanny valley, it, it still it doesn't it doesn't look right still to me. Uh, a, a lot of people have said like, oh no, that looks I didn't I didn't even know that was CGI. I don't know how because like I I well maybe because I know that uh, Peter Cushing is dead. Uh, <laughs> that 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 could be maybe, a factor. Maybe that maybe, that's maybe it. just a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I I think I was with you. There were a few moments where I like was almost tricked. Uh-huh. But I think just my knowledge of the characters and things like that, it, I couldn't really, uh, the believability wasn't quite there. But I, I know there are people I went and saw that film with that walked out and didn't realize that those were CGI characters. And so uh, possibly if uh, the Oscar voters felt that same way, maybe that could push Rogue One over the top. Or if they're like us, maybe they're like, you know, it's it's good, but maybe it's a little too heavy handed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that- I, I, I really think that it's between the it's going to be between one of these last two. So we got, we got Kubo uh, and the two strings and right. uh, the, the jungle book. And we talk about that uncanny Valley, uh, a, a huge portion of the jungle book was uh, computer generated. Uh, so many characters with all of the uh, different animals and things like that uh, were, were computer animated and looked very, very realistic. Yeah. Uh, I think they did a great job on, Almost all the characters. Um, there were a couple times where I was uh, kind of like with the King Louie and Baloo interaction and things <laughs> like that. It's like, all right, like maybe uh, a little bit. But for the most part, I thought that uh, overall the Jungle Book is a very uh, visually stunning movie. And uh, they did a great job with that. And I think you feel the same way about Cubo, right? Cubo? Cubert? Cubo. Cubert. Cubert and the... Cubo uh, and the two strings. Yeah, I mean... Any anytime you get uh, that kind of claymation going on, um, box trolls, etc., like there's, it's impressive because of how much work goes into it, right? And and that obviously a lot of work goes into CGI as well. Uh, but uh, there was, although I didn't like Kubo necessarily, uh, I thought it was thought it was kind of boring, and and I did fall asleep in in the theater during it. Um, I it was still very visually stunning. Uh, if I had to, if I had to give the, the, if I had to give it to one of the two, Jungle Book or Kubo, I would give it to Jungle Book because Jungle Book was, uh, aside from just the CGI, like the look of the film, that whole jungle aspect of it, uh, I, I loved it, and I think I think Jungle Book will will edge everything out. I I'm inclined to agree with you, Brandon. I think uh, Jungle Book is a, a strong strong nominee here, and hopefully it'll win. Uh, either way, uh, Disney has three of the five uh, nominees here, so so they're they're sitting. Uh, the odds are in their favor, if you will. Uh, we we will f- go ahead. You know what? And I'm just going to say this about Jungle Book. The last thing I'll say about Jungle Book, it's going to win just because of the end credits when when like the CGI characters are in the book and the book is turning pages. It, that that's such a cool ending credit scene to me, and so. <laughs> So regardless, it's going to win for that. 
All right. Well, that's our thought on the visual effects category for Apathetic Enthusiasm. I'm Travis. And I am Brandon. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Hey! And we're back. Thank you, Apathetic Enthusiasm, uh, for uh, joining us on this podcast with that. Um, and we're going to... We're gonna talk about best original score or best original song slash best, uh, best original score. So once again, I'll go ahead and do you want to, do you want to read the, sure. The things. Okay. Uh, for uh, score, uh, yeah. the nominated films are Jackie, La La Land, Lion, Moonlight and Passengers. Interesting yes. in- entry with Passengers, I think. Did, did you... I haven't seen it, but did you kind of notice the score in that movie? It's it's funny. I, I really didn't. Um, okay. There are some parts of it that I, I guess I kind of picked up on. Um, but it's funny because... I don't rem- I don't think this was actually part of the score of the movie. It was just in the promotional material. But there's a song by... Um, uh, I think it's called 1982. It's by a band called superhuman or something but it plays in the trailer for it and like i as as shitty as that movie was i (laughs) i really dug the trailer okay um and i actually have that song downloaded and i I have it on my uh, playlist but um the score of the movie didn't i mean i guess i guess it picked up uh or it uh stood out to me a little bit there but Mm. um I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it would win. Gotcha. Uh, the La La Land score, that's, there's, there's some real, like, uh, there's some beautiful themes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, sure, the movie is, is a musical and there are some really great musical numbers in it, but there are moments where they, they play with, the the main character's theme and, uh, there's some sequences that, like, I, I have the full soundtrack and I, I listen to it pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, it really, uh, it really stands out to me. I kind of hope that that gets the original score. Nice. Yeah. I also recently saw Lion, and uh, the score didn't really stand out to me. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think La La Land's probably a shoe in. Yeah, I think so too. I think yeah. that that's going to sweep. It's going. Yeah, it's going to take a lot. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm kind of. When it comes to original song, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, nominees here. Sure. So the nominees for uh, best original song is Audition, The Fools Who Dream from La La Land. Uh, Can't Stop the Feeling from Trolls, City of Stars from La La Land, The Empty Chair from Jim the James Foley Story, and How Far I'll Go from Moana. And, uh, you know, okay, I have seen La La Land and Moana. Um, I could see City of Stars or Audition really taking it, but mm. I kind of hope that they don't. Oh, really? Yeah, because, and this is whatever but how far i'll go from moana like i loved the music in moana mm-hmm. um and if lin-manuel miranda wins it he that will be his ego right yeah. yeah uh another cool thing about this category is uh i haven't seen any of these films but i've heard all of these songs have you really which is funny because yeah I, i've been huh. listening to npr at work a lot oh nice and every year they play all the nominees for uh best original song Nice. They, they have someone on to talk about them. So I got to hear that on the radio today, um, which is really nice. So I got to hear all these songs. Um, and, uh, nice. The stand, one of the standouts for me was actually the empty chair from Jim, the James Foley story. Oh, really? Which is a documentary. Oh, nice. Um, and it was sung by, by Sting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really appreciated the simplicity of it because it's, it's just, it's literally just Sting and a piano. Oh, wow. There's no, overproduction or anything like that. Nice. Um, and it's, it's really, it's a, 
very soulful song, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But then uh, the the songs from La La Land as well. Uh, Audition oh, in yeah. particular. I just I, that really was just beautiful. Oh yeah. Um, How far I'll go? Ironically, from Moana, I thought uh, was like kind of vanilla. That's fair. You know, it's it's the song where the main character talks about what they're going to do, right? And what they want to do, and it's kind of it's kind of a staple of Disney movies. It is, and honestly, it's not. It's not indicative of that movie for really? me. Really? Okay. Yeah, I That's mean, it fair. is. It is kind of the thesis statement of the character, really. Yeah. But and this is also one of the kind of. Uh, negatives that i would put for moana and i mean maybe that's more indicative of the entire uh genre of disney animated movies with musical numbers but all those songs like there are really great songs but all of them are way too brief okay yeah like it's it's just like how far i'll go is maybe a couple minutes long um and that's not even my favorite song on the album the favorite song is uh you're welcome with the the rock it's Mm. it is it is perfect. It nice. is, and from what I heard, I don't know if this is true or not. But what I've heard is that Lin Manuel Miranda, when he when he was writing the music, um, he had studied the way that The Rock speaks um, <laughs> to get like like uh, his his vocal register to see where he would ha- what he would be able to do in terms of musical numbers. Nice. And it's like just that's fucking genius. That's great. Yeah, I, I actually know that The Rock like enjoys singing. Oh yeah, like he's it's like one of his hobbies. Because like, I remember when he was on, he hosted nice. SNL back when he was like still on. I think it was he was like still primarily known for wrestling. Wow! And like there was a funny bit where he was like just trying to sing a song, mm-hmm. and they kept making him like do wrestling stuff or something. I don't remember what it was, <laughs> but like it stuck out to me as something really funny because he's actually like a really good singer. Mm-hmm. So he's he's awesome. He's a I, great guy. He really is. I want to be his friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you think you, you, uh, you want audition? It, yeah, it, I'm guessing yeah. it'll be one of the La La yeah. Land movies songs. Same here. Yeah. Um, okay, so next up we actually have uh, best makeup and hairstyling from Poor Man's Process. So here is Poor Man's Process. Hey there, it's your friends from Poor Man's Process, the Super Liminal Films Podcast, here to talk to you once again about the Makeup and Hairstyle Academy Award. Uh, I am Dan. I have really no ability to be talking about makeup and hair. That's not my specialty. And I'm Jared. I'm just going to read off the names. Um, for Star Trek Beyond, it's Joel Harlow and Richard Alonzo. For Suicide Squad, it's Alessandro Berlatolzi, uh, Gio- Giogorio Gregorini. Christopher Nelson. That's a hard name to read. Uh, and then for a man called Ove, it's Ava Von Baer and Love Larson. Now I'm going to pass it over to Max and Paul, who are the actual qualified makeup artists. Yeah, these guys know makeup and hair. Jared and I just sit here. I'm Paul. I'm Max. All right, so what, what do you think this year, guys? Uh, it is a fine year. Back to you. Good vintage. <laughs> You're the actual worst. All right, what do you think specifically about the makeup and hairstyling category? For, for which of the films? Well, uh, let's start with, I think, probably the one that got the most press, which would be Suicide Squad. Uh, poop. Makeup-wise? Yes. Really? Well, Please right. do explain. Killer Croc is so bad. It's so inexcusably bad by makeup artists that are so phenomenally talented that it makes my heart sad. He ended up with a big head and just... it crappy scaling like he was just overdone on his face not concerned with the body and making it look balanced as a look just some cool ish looking facial pieces 
the other stuff, like El Diablo and other things were really good. Harley Quinn was a take on it that I, you know, I could see where they were going. Tattoos are different to do right. I was just going to say, what about it? Because there's a lot of tattoos in that movie, and those actors don't actually have those tattoos. El Diablo, yeah. Great example. El Diablo, the Joker. Yeah. Harley even has some tattoos. Yep. Continuity on tattoos is very difficult. Yes, it is. You're also, I mean, and this is, again, speaking somebody as somebody who doesn't really know, but you're putting that on a lot of times on skin that stretches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in, instead of, like, an appliance, which you can build to move with it, it has to stay like skin would stay. Yeah. So, all right, uh, moving on to Star Trek Beyond. Lots uh, of makeup. Lots of makeup, all really complete looks from top to bottom. Um, I'm really, really pleased with some of the, like, just the the scale of the makeups, lots of appliances, yeah, and it's just yeah, it looked great. Everybody looked really good. I can't get over how much the uh, the lead made up female though looks like Alan Rickman in uh, uh, Galaxy Quest. A lot of it's uh, a very same like bald cap with some build up on it sure. is what it looks like. I mean, you, you're it's just, it's Star Trek, right? You have to play on that expectation a little bit. All right, uh, and then we have uh, unless Paul, do you want to add anything else about Star Trek? A lot of good clean lines on that main. Uh Lady. Good oh, clean great. lines. And that that's tough, right? Oh, yeah. For those of us who are if, ignorant to this, that's tough. If you make a mistake, it's really, really hard to fix. All right. And now uh, moving on to the uh, what some would call the foreign film lob in the category over the last couple of years, especially because in this case it is the same artists from the previous year. Uh, we have A Man Called Ove. Ove? Ove? Ove. Not old age makeup. All right. Well, what about old age makeup, Paul? It's very hard to do. Harder than clean lines? Yes, because it has to be realistic, because we know what old people look like. Clean uh, clean lines is difficult from a makeup perspective. It's not an alien. Old age is difficult from the sculpture, the, conce- the conception through the sculpture, through the paint, through everything. Okay. Uh, the reason it's difficult for you out there is because everybody has seen an old person hundreds of millions and billions and zillions of times. So this one was a lot lighter than the one they did last year, because it's mainly only from the eyes up there's an appliance, and the rest is just makeup, because he's already kind of old. Yeah, the guy's in his late 50s and is playing into his 60s. Yeah. So really, they only aged him up. But at that age, having seen my father recently go through that, at that age, that's a, that's a big difference, yeah. in the eyes especially. So right. they got there. All right, so um, you've said your pieces. Uh, I'm going to go around and start with Jared. I'm with myself. Who's winning this award? Jared, rapid Star- fire. Star Trek. Max? Also Star Trek. Paul? Star Trek. I want to say Suicide Squad just because I think it's going to be an awards darling, but probably going to agree with you guys Star Trek just because it's a sci-fi movie, and sci-fi movies tend to win these and things a lot. it's also uh, Star Trek, which has a storied history through awards, uh, not just in this category, but for, through television and film. Suicide Squad caught a lot of flack. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Thank you guys once again for, for being on the podcast here. Uh, links to all of these podcasts, of course, can be found in the show notes of this episode, by the way. And, uh, yeah, it's always, it's always great to, to hear from them because they, like, they, like, every year they, they just send me a message like, hey, Oscars. And I'm yep. like, sweet. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, and they have such, like, they, they're so knowledgeable with, the, with that, uh, with those categories because right. like, they do that stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really good. Mm hmm. And then uh, next up, we're going to go to Best Editing with the Intermission Podcast from MovieGuys.org. And uh, here's Best Editing. Hello, I'm Craig Lane. You might know me from such shows as the Intermission Podcast. And I'm Josh. You might know me from such shows as the Intermission Podcast. And once I was in the background of a news report. Ah, were you really? I think so. Remember that time the news report was in the background of our podcast? No. 
It was at the video game convention. I wasn't anyway. there. Oh, yeah, you were. Okay. So, anyway, this year's Academy Awards, we have the film editing category. And, Josh, I know that you are an avid film editing critic. I am. And so you know all about this year's category and this year's nominees, correct? That is an accurate to some degree statement. All right. So the the nominees this year, which I don't need to say them for you. You already know them. But uh, we have Arrival, Mm -hmm. Axel Ridge, Mm -hmm. Hell or High Water. I didn't even know you watched that one. I didn't. Uh, La La Land. Didn't see that one either. And and, and Moonlight. I've never even heard of that movie. Yeah. So... Let's just go ahead and let's talk about the elephant in the room here. La La Land. Okay. There's only one reason it's on this list. Ryan Gosling. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You knew it. He's <laughs> but dreamy. Does that does that justify a film to get an award for film editing? I mean, biggest hunk, maybe. Best film Possibly. editing? I don't know. Well, everything I've heard about La La Land, they well, I guess that's more about the uh the plot. And uh, stuff like that. But I guess you could have a movie that's absolutely terrible plot. But if it's edited well, maybe it could get an award for it. Hmm. All right. So so Moonlight, neither one of us have heard of that. So most likely that's going to be the one that wins the award. There's a good chance. Um, Hell or High Water, what were your thoughts? Well, um, I see the cover art. Uh, there is a gentleman wearing a cowboy hat and he has a mustache. In the background, he's in the sky. I like that a lot. That's good editing. There are also two gentlemen carrying bags, and one is carrying a rifle, the other is carrying a pistol. Excellent editing. And I know how you feel about mustaches. I'm a fan. All right. Hacksaw Ridge. I actually did see that one. Yeah, I knew you watched this one, and I heard it was really good. But I didn't hear anyone exclaim about how good the editing was. Uh, I mean... There wasn't anything that really jumped out as excellent editing when I watched it. You say you say nothing jumped out. Maybe that was because they edited all, it all out. Mm. You have a point there. All right. So the last one on our list, Arrival. Uh, Arrival, I have seen it thrice now. Really? I have. I own it on Blu-ray and 4K um, equivalent of Blu-ray, whatever that's called now. I think that's 4K Blu-ray. Oh, okay. 4K Blu-ray. Do you have a 4K Blu-ray player? I do not. Mm. But my wife got it for me thinking we have a 4K TV, so obviously we need the 4K version of Arrival, which I'm not upset with, but I need a 4K Blu-ray player. Yeah, it only makes sense. So anyway, I'm going to say Arrival is the one that I would like to win the category, not only because it's the one I've seen, but because it had really good editing. It it had excellent editing. Those editors, they really showed their editing chops on this one. So we, we agree that we want Arrival to win the award, right? Well, I think so. Uh, Moonlight will probably win it because we never heard of it or seen it. Well, I would predict that La La Land will win because that's all I've really heard about the past well, since it's been in theaters, was La La Land this, La La Land that. I should probably watch it, because it's apparently the best movie ever. Damn you, sexy Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Damn you. Uh, so, how did these movies even get nominated for film editing? I tried to do a little research, and 
is like a really loosely defined category. Really? <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah. So what are the um, criteria that a film has to meet to be nominated? Um, it has to be nominated by a uh, by the Academy. Mm, Those see. were pretty much the criteria. Oh. I feel like, so if to win an award for editing, I think the Academy should have to go through all the footage that was shot for the film and see all of that before they could determine Hmm. that it was edited together well, you know? I agree. So in the future, I think that we should start a petition and everyone should sign it. That in order for the Academy to nominate a movie, they have to watch all of the raw footage before they actually watch the movie. That way they can, they've got a comparison. They know what the editor started with and what they ended with. Exactly. I mean, what if they shot the entire film, you know, it was like this scene. Well, we got it in one take. Let's move on to the next one. Next scene. Huh. We got this one in one take. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah. And they just like filmed a perfect movie. Yeah. What if it... It wasn't the film editor that made the movie great. What if it was excellent producing and directing? And acting. And, well, I mean, it was Ryan Gosling. Was there any question there? Touche. <laughs> All right. So this has been the film editing category. And be sure to check out the intermission podcast at movieguys.org. Toodaloo. Fare thee well. You see how I did that? I stole your toodaloo. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys at intermission. Uh, you guys are great and, uh, we really appreciate having, uh, having you guys on. And, uh, let's see. So next up, we're going to talk about best cinematography, tiny. Nice. Are you ready for this? No, yes, I am. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So best cinematography, uh, we have arrival, la la land, lion, moonlight, and silence. um, and yeah, man, I, I've seen three of these movies, mm-hmm. um, Arrival, La La Land, and Lion. Um, I remember when Fekus was on, he talked about silence um, and had very, very uh, high praise to heap upon it for cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, how many of these have you seen? Have you- I've only seen Arrival. Arrival? Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about the cinematography there? Because I, I kind of, we had a discussion about this where uh, Roger Deakins wasn't the DP on it, so it it felt like... Not vanilla to me, but it felt like it could have been so much more. It felt like it lacked a signature, I think. That's right. Yeah, I think that's the phrase I used. But uh, but yeah, it, it, it was certainly impressive, and I'm glad it got nominated. I think it deserves mm-hmm. a nomination. Um, and having only seen that one, I can't really uh, <laughs> defend it against the others. Um, but it, it was totally adequate, and it was more than adequate. It, it was exceptional, and so I think it, it deserved mm-hmm. the nomination. Um, but I was, ex- I, th- I think there was potential there for more mm-hmm. in the cinematography for that film. Yeah, I'm I'm really just uh excited or happy that the Academy is throwing so much love to hard hard sci fi the Absolutely. last several years. Yes. Um so I'm just happy to see it there. But um in terms of the ones that I've seen, I'm 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 hopeful that silence will get it. And not that I've seen silence, but just the pedigree of it. Yeah. Um and judging from what I've what limited clips I've seen of it, it looks like it would be outstanding to mm-hmm. look at. Um but as far as La La Land and Lion are concerned, La La Land, again, it's probably going to sweep. I think that La La Land kind of has it. And yeah. uh, in, in this category, it's deservedly so because there are some really beautiful, beautiful shots of kind of this romanticized 
um, old Hollywood style aesthetic that takes place in like the present day. So you'll see like just this really, really old fashioned Hollywood um, set design and everything. And then someone references a Prius. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun, but it, visually it's, it's really striking. And uh, some of the, some of the musical numbers, uh, pretty much all the musical numbers are really well done in, uh, and beautifully composed. And, uh, again, has this aesthetic to it. That's, that's really uh wonderful. Um, and as far as lion, it's, it's funny and I'll talk more about it when we get to best picture, but, uh, the cinematography didn't really, didn't really stand out to me that much. Hmm. Um, it seemed kind of, um, had seemed kind of not run of the mill, but kind of expected like nothing really. I mean, I guess there were, there were some things that were really, uh, interesting and in seeing that, uh, in the beginning part where a lot of the beginning part takes place in like Calcutta. Okay. Um, it's, it's really kind of striking to see, to see that, uh, culture and that setting on screen. Gotcha. But for the most part, it didn't really do much for me in terms of cinematography. Okay. And, uh, let's see. Next up, we have our friends at the nerds you're looking for podcast to talk about best animated feature. And, uh, fortunately, I, I at least know that Pat saw, all but one of these. So I'm looking, looking forward to uh, seeing what he says. So here is Pat and Tyler from the Nerds You're Looking For podcast talking about best animated feature. Hey guys, it's Pat and Tyler from the Nerds You're Looking For podcast, a weekly nerd culture podcast. Discusses the culture through various segments. You can find past episodes on our website, thenerdspodcast.com. And we're honored to be back talking about the best animated feature for the Obsessive Viewers Oscar special episode. So, Tyler, do you want to run down the nominees real quick? Yeah, man. So there were five animated films nominated this year. So I'm just going to start right off the top with Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, We also have Moana, My Life as a Zucchini. The Red Turtle, and last but not least, Zootopia. So for me, there's one glaring snub. Yeah, I think I know where you're you're going with this. Yeah, it's wanna, Finding Dory. <laughs> I was going to say, you want to say it on, you say <laughs> it on we three? Say it on three? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's Finding Dory. Honestly, it was never going to win. Tyler and I both reviewed it a while back when it came out, I think June of last year. Yep. And neither one of us really liked it as much as the critics did, but it was like a 94, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not a huge Finding Nemo fan, so that's why I didn't really get into Finding Dory. But it is a fine film. It's a fun film. But honestly, since they've been doing this, I think in 01, there's only been one sequel to win, which is Toy Story 3, which I'm not going to remember the year of that. So it was never going to win. But to not get nominated, I don't even think it got nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think it has anything to do with them not wanting to nominate Disney so much? I mean, we already have Moana and Zootopia. If you take out one of the others, it'd be like taking out a smaller studio movie and replacing it with another Disney Pixar film. Yeah, the the Academy does seem to have the tendency, especially in the animated feature, to nominate kind of under the radar, usually a foreign film, yeah, uh, which is The Life of Zucchini and The Red Turtle, I think is technically a foreign film as well, even though there is no dialogue, which I don't know if you know that, Tyler. It <laughs> is completely dialogueless, <laughs> uh, well, but I'll talk about that here in a second. Okay. Cool. Uh, so yeah, they do tend to do that. It's usually one slot that they'll give to a foreign film. In this particular case, it's two. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. 
I don't really – I mean I know Disney owns it, but I don't really consider Pixar to be a Disney film. Like Moana and Zootopia were Disney animation. Yeah. And then Finding Dora was Pixar. So I, I, I do understand that it's still a Disney property, but I consider those two two, two different things. Yeah, no, I can – I definitely see where you're coming from with that thought process, and I don't necessarily disagree, but I think that they're trying to uphold some – standard they set where there's snobby you know film lovers and we gotta nominate these movies that nobody has ever seen yeah for sure uh so how many of these have you seen i have seen three of these okay uh of course the three obvious ones kubo moana and zootopia what'd you think of kubo i know you just watched it the other day yeah i actually like literally watched it last night oh really Uh, i didn't care for it too much really yeah that's I, disappointing <laughs> Brittany loved it like she was crying at the end she was very invested in it uh, my wife Brittany. but i just i didn't connect it didn't hit with me i don't know why wow that's very disappointing because i loved it i will say like the animation is fantastic and oh, amazing yeah. and i really appreciate how much work goes into that but for whatever reason yeah didn't, didn't strike a chord with me so I'm going to go out on a limb and say Zootopia is the favorite, right? Yeah, I love Moana. And if you listen to our top 10 episode that we did on the Nerds You're Looking For that Matt from The Obsessive Viewer was a part of, uh, I think him and I both had Moana on our top 10s and you had it almost on there, right? No. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I don't I don't hate it. it it's yeah. a fine film. Like, I'll own it when it comes yeah. out. My wife loved it. And I, I love the soundtrack. I've been addicted to it since you yeah. guys talked about it on that episode. I've been listening to a lot of it. And I really appreciate it more now because of listening to the soundtrack over and over again than I think I did when I saw it. But, yeah, I didn't like it as much as you guys did. Yeah. So, I mean, I liked it enough to put it on my top ten. But Zootopia was also on my top ten and was at a higher slot. So, I definitely would prefer to see that film win, even though I don't know that it will. I think it's going to win. I, I you do? Personally, I, I want it to win. And then if it didn't win, Kubo would be my close second. I think it's between the the top three, like uh, Moana, the the top that you, the top three that you named Moana, uh, Kubo, and Zootopia. As far as my life is zucchini, can't find it anywhere. I, from what I understand, it doesn't come out. Like I mean, it's done. It's like limited release, whatever yeah. they have to do to get nominated. And as far as a wider release, maybe digital only or whatever. It doesn't come out until the 24th, so that doesn't do us a whole lot of good because we're recording this, what, it's the 17th. So, uh, yeah, in order for these episodes to get out, that doesn't do us a whole lot of good. So I couldn't find My Life as a Zucchini, but I did find The Red Turtle, which, like I said, is completely dialogueless. It's about a castaway who struggles to get off this island, and he's stopped from this red turtle, and... It gets really fucking weird really quickly. <laughs> so I don't want to spoil too much, but it happens fairly early in the movie. Um, he finds the red turtle. He kills the red turtle and the red turtle turns into a woman. Huh? As they do. Yes. I mean, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> and it just, it gets weirder and weirder from that. And uh, yeah, I didn't care for it. It's a beautiful film. It's a a Studio Gimli. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. They're the ones that did it. So, I mean, it was beautiful. They kind of have their own style. And so, I mean, I appreciated that. It was kind of cool what they were trying to do with a dialogue-less film. But 
I felt like they almost went out of their way to make it so. Like there could have been times where they the character <laughs> spoke, and uh, it was it was a little strange. I mean, it was very very strange. So I'd be really shocked if it won. Now I again I I don't know if Life of Zucchini even has a shot because I haven't seen it, but. Uh, from the screenshots, it looks kind of similar to Kubo, just the, the stop motion kind of yeah. claymation sort of style that they have. So um, that's pretty much all I know about that movie. So, And you also think Zootopia will win? Yeah. Okay. We're kind of on the same page. I think Moana will get it, but I want Zootopia. So. All right, cool, man. So thanks for having us on again, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. For Patrick Kuhn. Tyler Hunt. We are the nerds you're looking for. Take it easy, guys. All right. Thanks, guys. You can find them at thenerdspodcast.com. And next up for us, we're going to talk about, uh, let's go adapted screenplay. And let's see. For adapted screenplay, do you do you have it? Do you want to? Sure, yeah. Uh, adapted screenplay, we have Arrival, Fences, Hidden Figures, Lion, and Moonlight. I think it's worth noting in this category, um, This this is a big year for african-american film I mean, oh yeah you know there was controversy controversy a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um and i don't feel like i don't feel like the the academy is like trying to make up for that like right these are genuinely like great nominees that mm-hmm. all deserve these nominations there's no favorites being played here mm-hmm. or compensation or anything like that right. um and you hidden know. figures um <laughs> no I'm, I'm, I'm hidden figures was fine yeah um it was fine but yeah go ahead nice yeah so i mean and even lion you know it's mm-hmm. not about a, a african-american person right but, you know it's it has a multicultural aspect mm-hmm. to it so yeah and arrival has a completely different race right. a completely different species so right yeah right. <laughs> yeah and uh fences and moonlight are two that I, I really regret not being able to see yeah um especially love, fences love me some denzel me too yeah um but if i were to pick of the three that i've seen arrival hidden figures and lion i mean i'd, I'd hand it to arrival because I'm a fan of the genre and, and what they did. I mean, it's kind of a dense psychological kind of movie um, and more, uh, yeah, psychological kind of movie mm-hmm. uh, rather than, you know, flashy sci-fi or hard sci-fi or anything. Um, so to see what they accomplished and the way that they uh, were able to translate the story to the screen was uh, really well done. I think that the, that would, I'd be happy if they won. Yeah, I um when we reviewed it I I mentioned how I think it's it has it has it has the potential to reach a status as a like a tentpole sci-fi story. Yeah. Um amongst like, you know, Dune and some mm-hmm. of those other you know, Philip K Dick novels and stuff like that. Like yeah. it, I think it has that potential and I think a lot of that potential derives from the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, the story in general. So I would love it if Arrival won this. Absolutely. Um, Ex Machina won this award, didn't it? I think Ex Machina won visual effects. I don't remember Did if it, it won I thought it won writing for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know if it won writing. It would have won won a original Ori- right. Yeah. Okay, that's true, original. But still I think uh, that I think it won I, I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering but uh yeah. I, like you said, the Academy has been a little bit more accepting of, of mm-hmm. sci-fi over the past couple yeah. years. So, and also sci-fi sci-fi has been really good lately. It has, yeah. So it's great. Yeah. Um, so for uh, original screenplay, we have Hell or High Water, La La Land, The Lobster, Manchester by the Sea, and Twentieth Century Women. Now I haven't seen 
uh, the lobster or 20th century re- women. I remember when Feckus was on a while back, he said that he saw the lobster and he wasn't, he wasn't a fan of it. If I remember correctly, he said that it was a little too Wes Anderson-y. Okay. Um, or it seemed like they were trying to imitate Wes Anderson. The filmmaker was. Gotcha. Um, Tiny, I know that you've seen hell or high water. How do you feel about its chances for original screenplay? Um, I, th- a chance as far as his chances of winning i i think it's probably low on the totem pole unfortunately mm-hmm. um it's a formula we've kind of seen before it's updated yeah. a little bit you know it's it's a western but it's like mm-hmm. a modern western um i again i would love it if it won because uh, mm-hmm. i really really like that movie a ton yeah. uh, but I, th- I feel like the the strengths of the film were in other aspects of it yeah not to shit on the writing or anything like that because right. it was it was totally solid but mm-hmm. uh i feel like th- again the strength was in other aspects of the movie yeah yeah did you know the writer of that was tyler sheridan taylor sheridan tyler T- taylor sheridan Mm-mm. who he also wrote sicario okay. um which i know that you have you still haven't seen i haven't seen right? that yeah. yeah but he was um <laughs> this is such a random thing he was deputy chief david hale in sons of anarchy like seasons one and two Oh yeah, it's so random. That guy. Yeah, it's 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 so weird to me that he's you know he's a very accomplished uh, and revered uh, screenwriter. Yeah, it's, it's such a random thing to me. That is random. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, uh, I I really did like Hell or High Water, and I do agree with you that it does the the strengths of that movie rest in other areas, particularly performances uh-huh. for me. Um, and, and I, I love the writing of La La Land, but again, that also, the strength of that is in the musical numbers and, and, in it's, uh, well, I, I, the writing was, was really strong with it. It, it does have some really interesting and, and strong statements about, you know, relationships and things like that. And we, we, I at least fell in love with the characters. Um, but, I mean, for me, it's Manchester by the Sea. I mean, holy shit, that movie. Nice. Like, yeah. Like, I think Amazon or someone um, on Facebook, some some page, like, posted, like, a a picture of a scene from the movie. It was just a picture of two characters standing side by side, and it had, um, I think it was, like, like saying, like, oh, we're we're up for original screenplay, and it just had dialogue from that scene. Wow. And, like... Like that scene is such a gut punch and so just, um, it's just uh, emotionally eviscerating that I was just like, I got choked up just reading the, reading the dialogue on that screen. Damn. <laughs> it's just, it's such a powerful movie and wow. the way that it deals with grief and the way that it, uh, the way that it takes its characters on such, such disparate journeys from each other while keeping them connected and keeping them connected both by what they're kind of forced into and also from from the general grieving process and everything it's just a really powerful dichotomy that it that it strikes and it's really well well drawn um and really kind of comes off the page and onto the screen really well. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I just have to mention really quickly. Yes. I think it's a travesty that Green Room was not nominated for this. Oh yeah. That I mean I I think it should have been nominated for multiple Oscars, but mm-hmm. most importantly, screenplay. Yeah. Really yeah. bummed that it didn't get that nod. Mm. Didn't get any nominations. Right. Um, That's true. But I think this one, most of all, it should have, it should have gotten. Yeah. yeah. Someday I hope that, you know, horror thriller will have its day the way that sci-fi yeah. has. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. 
Um, it's my movie of the year for those who right. don't remember or didn't hear that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next up, we're going to talk about Best Director. All right. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and read these nominees here. Uh, Best Director. Uh, it doesn't have the doesn't have the directors. <laughs> Arrival, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. And uh, I didn't. You know, I'm surprised that Hacksaw Ridge is on is is getting so much kind of love there. Yeah. Um, like the trailers looked fine. I I didn't get around to seeing it, but. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, did isn't you? It, isn't it Mel any... Gibson? It's Mel Gibson. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't overly enthusiastic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Same here. Yeah, I don't know. I this this is a tough category for me just because I yeah. haven't seen enough. Um, yeah, I've I've seen three of them. Um, Hacksaw Ridge. It's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the trailers for it was like from from Mel Gibson, director of Braveheart. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's what he's known for guys that's great <laughs> yeah uh, um but yeah and i've heard that it's like really gruesome so that i mean that's not a surprise really yeah um but yeah i'll, I'll circle back and check that out sometime but me too yeah as far as directing um moonlight again i haven't seen but uh arrival la la land and manchester by the sea um I mean, I I loved Manchester by the Sea. It's funny because Manchester by the Sea was my number two. La La Land was my number one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, head to head with La La Land, um, I would I would pick Manchester by the Sea over each each one. Okay. But I think putting La La Land at number one was more of a personal like, it's a more positive kind of energetic movie, and and Manchester by the Sea is just gut wrenching. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Okay. And uh with La La Land, the directing, there's this really cool um there's this really cool behind the scenes video that shows uh there's a scene at a at a bar, at a jazz bar where uh it's they're filming, you know, them playing playing mm-hmm. on on stage and uh you see the camera operator shooting the shooting it and you see uh Damien Chazelle like the way that the, the way that it does it, it's like a sweeping sweeping across the stage back and forth between two things mm-hmm. um in the shot and you see like everything's happening and everything all the music's playing and everything and you see uh Damien Chazelle just tapping uh just tapping the shoulder like each time he's supposed to move it and everything wow it's so cool and it's like the fluidity of it's really really great huh. um it's it's really cool. I think I think that the video that I saw was a side by side with a split screen to where you see the finished product and you see uh, the behind the scenes there at the same time. Cool. Um, it's it's really cool. But um, but yeah, and and I did like the directing and and uh, arrival. I think that there were some really cool things that were done, um, with with the style and everything and and the way that you know told the story was really well. So, um. I could narr- I could I could uh I could track the narrative well in it and it's it, to its credit because that is a kind of a tough tough uh cookie to crack there. Right. I'm just um, so glad I got nominated for this. Yeah, me too. One of the major categories, mm-hmm. the top 4 categories if you will. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Um but I I think I think La La Land will probably right. again sweep. Yeah. Yeah. And let's see. So moving right along, we have uh, Best Supporting Actress from Kate's Take Reloaded. And here is Kate's Take uh, Reloaded talking about Best Supporting Actress. 
Hello, Kate Chaplin here from the award-winning podcast, Kate's Take. I love Obsessive Viewer, and I'm so happy to be invited back for the special. I was given the Best Supporting Actress category, and the nominations are Viola Davis, Fences, Naomi Harris, Moonlight, Nicole Kidman, Lion, Octavia Spencer, Hidden Figures, Michelle Williams, Manchester by the Sea. Now, I love Octavia Spencer in this category. Um, I almost had her as my pick. Uh, the only thing that kind of held me back was that I needed her to be far more in the movie. I'm also one of those people that actually read the book by Hidden Figures as well. Uh, and interestingly enough, only the last 100 pages of the book are what is incorporated into the movie of Hidden Figures. Uh, her character of Dorothy Vaughn is in the book far more, uh, was very influential on Mary Jackson and Katherine Johnson, the other two um, NASA mathematicians in the movie. Um, and I don't know if that will necessarily take it away or not, but I adore her. I think she is so lovely, and I do want to see her win everything. Who I did pick, who I do think is going to win this year, and we'll see if I'm right or not, I'm really not actually that good at this, is Viola Davis from Fences. I thought her performance was excellent. I think she is top-notch in everything that she does. Um, and she's actually been nominated three times. She is actually the first African-American to do that. She was nominated. She's nominated this year for Supporting Actress in Fences. She was nominated in the Best Actress category for The Help in 2012 and Doubt in 2008. The other thing that's interesting about this particular category is that there is a record-breaking three African-American women nominated in this category, and that is exceptionally awesome and about damn time. <laughs> now, also, uh, one thing to notice about Viola Davis is that if she wins uh, this year, she is on her way to an EGOT, which is an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar and Tony. And only 12 people have actually done that. Now, she has not won an Oscar yet. Maybe this month will be uh, her wonderful chance. She did win an Emmy in 2015 for How to Get Away with Murder. And she's won two Tonys, actually. In 2010, she won for Fences. And in 2001, she won for Drama Desk. So if she wins an Oscar, the only thing that's going to be missing is a Grammy. Spoken word album, anyone? <laughs> now, I'm apparently terrible at making Oscar predictions. Last year, I only got eight of the 24 categories correct. Uh, so for the Kate's Take show of predictions, I actually brought in a bingo cage randomizer, and we nicknamed it uh, Bingo Nick Cage. <laughs> Now, Bingo Nick Cage picked Michelle Williams uh, to win this year in the Best Supporting category. Who knows? The Oscars do love her. They love to nominate her. Uh, you never know. Uh, we'll just see how wrong I am <laughs> along with the rest of us. But if you're interested, uh, check out Kate's Take. Actually, go to galsguide.org. Uh, there I have all the links, including what Bingo Nick Cage predicted, uh, ballots, and a link to our YouTube show as well as our podcast show. So I hope you guys are having fun with your predictions. And I hope hope everybody is a far more right than I am. Back to you guys. Thank you so much, Kate's Take. And uh, and yeah, we're going to move right along and go to Best Supporting Actor with uh, BoobTube Buddies. 
Uh, hey, everybody. We are going to be talking about the 2017 Oscars Best Supporting Actor nominees. Uh, this is Mothman and Natty Light from the BoobTube Buddies on? podcast. Uh, what do you actually like to be called? Uh, you know what? Nat- Natty Light works for me. It represents my <laughs> drinking taste. Okay, fair enough. Uh, a, a big thanks to Tiny and Matt from The Obsessive Viewer for having us on. We're excited to dive into this. Um, this has been a really good year for movies. I haven't even gotten yeah. around to seeing about half the movies out there with the Oscar noms. Uh, yep. So what we wanted to do though, to start is I, I think let's break down each of these nominees and this kind of their yeah. body of work. And then uh, at the end, we'll go ahead and uh, make our picks, shall we? Cool. Let's All right. It. Let's start with uh, Mahershala Ali. I think yep. I said that right. He's 42 years old. Moonlight is the movie he is nominated for. Uh, I personally have known him for, as Remy Dannon in House of Cards. I personally known him. I don't know him. And uh, <laughs> also Cottonmouth in the Luke Cage series. And what strikes me about this movie is how different of a character he's playing. Um, I definitely wouldn't say he's typecast or one-trick pony, but he is kind of typically like suave and, and debonair kind of character, uh, at least from what I've seen. And this is definitely yeah. not that and kind of shows the range that he is capable of. Yeah. And I know most as Remy Danton. That's sort of what I got from because I haven't seen Luke Cage and Remy Danton definitely has what you were just saying. He's sort of quiet in a way. He's a quiet performer, sort of brooding almost, but in a very likable way and in a way that makes you want to know more about what he stands for and who he is as a character. And so um, I'm excited to see him showing up more and more on lists like this uh, sure. or just in, in cast lists in general. Like I'm very excited that he's kind of up and coming. So I'm excited to see more from him and I'm, I'm glad he's here. Absolutely. Uh, our next nominee is Jeff Bridges, who is just a absolutely classic actor. So anyway, he's, he's up there now. He's 67, but he is still continuing to put out fantastic movies. Hell, yeah. Hell or High Water is the current one. Um, I think he got an Oscar only a few years ago. What, Crazy Heart? Yeah, Crazy Heart. Yeah. Yeah, which which like was a time where like I remember in like 2010 he was in that, and in 2011, immediately after, he was in True Grit. And I was like, man, Jeff Bridges is like I know, coming right? back, man. Like, what's going on with Jeff Bridges? He's doing a lot. And then since True Grit, it hasn't been a ton of stuff. Um, and this, this uh, is not typecast at all, but when I look at Hell or High Water, I go, yeah, it makes sense that Jeff Bridges would be in that. Um, But because he plays that type of tone so well, and I think he absolutely deserved what he won for Crazy Heart. I loved that movie, and I haven't seen it, like, since uh, 2011, but I remember watching it, like, two or three times back when it came out and just being totally into it and listening to the soundtrack and stuff. So I'm uh, I'm happy he's back up in the limelight. Yeah, I I am as well. It it seems to me, like, if you kind of look at um, post-True Grit that he kind of just got into doing, um, you know, some weird stuff like he was obviously yeah. in the tron things he was in ripd uh which was apparently terrible he was in seventh son which was you know he's kind of oh, in yeah, a lot of these big about all this like blockbusters yeah. and i think now hopefully he goes back to just picking scripts he likes i mean i doubt he's yep. hurting for money at this point he's been in 90 films right right yeah yeah um, exactly Oh, anyway so our next uh nominee is lucas hedges who is 20 years old so um Fuck you, right? You're not important. Yeah, man. Come on. Yeah. yeah. No nope. care about that. Nope. Him. You're not winning. Sorry. Uh, now, Too 26 young. years old. 
that's something I can get behind. That's Dev Patel. Uh, <laughs> Those six I, uh, years make all the difference. It does make all the difference. You've seen some life. You know, you, you got some calluses in your hand from hard work and from pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm not positive that Dev Patel has the calluses in his hands from pulling himself up for his bootstraps. But yeah, I love Dev Patel. I'm so excited again to have seen him in Lion. Like, it. Another one that I loved, 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 Slumdog Millionaire, obviously, when that came Great. out, I called that, I uh, <laughs> my description of, of uh, Slumdog Millionaire when it came out was it was a perfect movie. Not that it was the best movie, but just like every element of it. When I walked away, I kept thinking about, like, did I like the characters? Oh, my God. Like, they were amazing. Was the setting cool? It was beautiful. The cinematography was amazing. The music was great. Like, I was just, like, every, it hit every check mark for me. Oh, yeah. And that was where I first saw him. Um, New, have you saw seen Newsroom? Newsroom, yep, which I was going to say. That was my next big thing that I remember him from and being like, oh, maybe this, maybe this kid is actually going to be like in more stuff. Yeah. And so he, he takes the lead in Lion and does an amazing job at it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards Dev here on my, on my nod, but oh, you will, we'll keep moving. Yes, absolutely. And then our last one is uh, Michael Shannon. Uh, he is 42 years old in Nocturnal Animals, which is the second Tom Ford film. Tom Ford is a famous fashion designer. Uh, one who most recently has made the you know headlines outside of his Oscar nominated movie by uh, refusing to do anything for the the Trumps like fashion wise because he still is very active in, in fashion. Oh wow, um, okay, I didn't know that. But this is the second film. He did a single man, which was um, apparently good, but the description didn't speak to me, so I just never got around to it. But um, sure, Michael Shannon is just he's. It's amazing how many. I was looking at his stuff earlier. It's amazing how many movies. Uh, he has been in at this point. Yeah, yeah. Because he's yeah, not like a, a, I don't know, like a show stealer. Like he's not even main character in a lot of them, right? Yeah, no. But he's also one that, just like you said earlier, has like tremendous range. Yeah. So he can play just like the character actor in sort of like the two scenes of the movie, who's like you know the DA or whatever. Or he can he can be like very easily. Um, he has a face for being evil, I think, in like a really good way, you know, so he can play the bad guy or the villain in, you know, in pretty much anything. And more recently, you've seen him taking the lead or supporting roles that are, you know, more heroic a little bit. And so I've, I've he's a name that when he's attached to something, I go, cool. So I'll be watching that um, at, at minimum just to see his performance. Sure. Um, and, and I feel similarly like he's a great he's kind of like a Steve Buscemi, like. I don't go out of my way to see Steve Buscemi movies uh, unless the subject matter uh, yeah. appeals to me. But I love every time he is in a movie, right? And right. And, and I think it's just because he hasn't starred in many that is why I don't seek the movies out. Like, he usually sure. ends up being a, a B character. But um, that's why, for Michael Shannon, I'm not going to say he's my pick. And we do have to wrap this up here. Uh, but I would not be upset if he won just because he's put out so much content over the years. Like, it's just recognition. Yep. Um, you know, Jeff Bridges has already obviously won some. Uh, Marshall Ali has just recently really been like kind of ramping up his career. Uh, right. If I had to make a pick, I think it would be uh, Dev, though. Yeah, me too. Cool. Hey, um, look at that! You, we didn't even we didn't even plan that. We we didn't we didn't. You no, know, we, we did not. We just both independently picked Dev Patel. I like it. Yeah. Hey. So at this point, uh, <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up. Thank you again for having us on the show. Uh, check out our podcast, BoobTube Buddies, on iTunes. You can also go to our website, BoobTubeBuddies.com, to, to get all of our social medias and all that good stuff. Thanks again. Peace. Bye.
All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, again, links to all these shows can be in the show notes of the episode. So to kind of wind down, um, we have Best Actor and Best Actress. Actress. Yeah, I said that right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Tiny, do you want to give the Best Actress in a Leading Role nominees? Sure. Uh, we have Isabel Huppert from L, uh, Ruth Nega from Loving, Natalie Portman from Jackie, Emma Stone in La La Land and Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. Yeah. 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 I've seen La La Land. Right. I suck. This, uh, this so tiny, you have to carry this. Okay. <laughs> well, this, I mean, this category is, it's kind of an oddball category this year because both L or L loving and Jackie were pretty underperforming movies. Mm-hmm. Like I had never heard of loving. I had never even heard of that one. Oh really? Yeah. Or, that's uh yeah. Yeah. Loving. And, uh, sorry. Loving is, uh, uh, Joel Edgerton and, uh, Ruth Nega. It's right. like the first. That's right. Yeah. Like the an interracial, interracial couple. couple. Right. Yeah. Okay. I remember that now. Okay. But yeah, so the, the it, it features a couple of handful of movies that, weren't super wide releases and, right. and weren't super popular mm-hmm. um with the exception of la la land um mm-hmm. and meryl streep no offense to meryl streep but it's she gets nominated every year right um <laughs> you know it's the meryl streep award basically um and so it's just kind of it, it's hard to pick this category this year um mm-hmm. i think even if you've seen the movies i don't know maybe i'm yeah. talking out of my ass but uh yeah, I really, I, I want Natalie Portman. To, well, I mean, I don't have any frame of reference because I haven't seen Jackie. I really wish I would have. Yeah. Um, but I think that that type of uh, that that role in particular uh, could have been uh, could possibly be like a really strong performance from her because nice. I mean, there's a lot to it. I've never um, been a big fan of hers. Really, Natalie Portman. Yeah, never really cared for her that much. Yeah, whenever I see her, I just like I'm. It's Anytime she's on screen, I'm just like, are you an angel? Um, <laughs> she is gorgeous. Yeah, she is. And uh, I, I've been in, I've been Star in love Wars. with yeah. Star Wars. Oh, God are you, damn are it. Are you an angel? Um, okay. Yeah. Um, Emma Stone, I mean, I, I kind of hope that they recognize one of these other actresses. Not that I've seen them or anything, so I'm mm-hmm. digging myself into a hole here. But Emma Stone, I think, did, did a fine job in, in La La Land. But again... That movie is kind of, kind of more more about the the music and the energy, I think, than, gotcha. than actual performances. Okay. All right, moving right along, we have best actor in a leading role. So, oh, this is this is a pretty good one. Yeah, we have Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea, Andrew Garfield in Hacksaw Ridge, Ryan Gosling in La La Land, Viggo Mortensen in Captain Fantastic, and Denzel Washington in Fences. And uh, again, I've only seen La La Land and Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Gosling, I think, did did all right. Again, echo everything I said about uh, uh, Emma Stone, but Casey Affleck, man, his his performance. There there are scenes in this movie that in Manchester by the Sea where it's gonna it's gonna kind of stick with me. Wow, um, and it's all. That's that's because of Casey Affleck's approach to the role because he doesn't do he doesn't do many like big like outburst or or big um emotional things but when he does it's like it's 
it's like in, insanely powerful. Um, a lot of what he does throughout the movie is kind of the, uh, kind of the signature Casey Affleck thing where mm-hmm. he's like, he's kind of, kind of a little mumbly yeah. and uh, kind of quiet and everything. But here it works for him because the character, it really calls for it. Um, so yeah, I, I would hope that Casey Affleck gets it again. I haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge or Captain Fantastic or Fences. Yeah, um, me either. Yeah, love Casey. I, it's funny. I really love all the actors nominated. Mm-hmm. Like Denzel Washington's one of my favorite actors. Yeah, hands down. Andrew Garfield. Super excited about everything he does. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's this is a stacked category this year. It is. It is. And I I really uh, need to check out Captain Fantastic. I, I uh, I'm very curious about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I think we're, I mean, we're winding, we're wrapping up. Yep. Um, uh, best picture. It's, it's the big one here. Uh, this year they nominated nine movies and uh, here they are. <laughs> Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Uh, so Tiny, how do you feel about the best picture nominees? Um, also a stacked category, I guess I'd say. I mean, it's, you know, it is anymore because there's up to 10 entries. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of a given anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, I can't, I can't not bring up the whole, again, the whole huge year for African American, yeah. uh, uh, films with, uh, Moonlight and, uh, Hidden Figures. Um, so yeah, just, uh, in fences, big year mm-hmm. in, the, in that category. Um, that's good to see. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a favorite. I, cause I've only seen two of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I really, uh, I just wish I would have seen more this year. Mm-hmm. Um, what of the, what of the, uh, best picture nominees that you haven't seen, what of them are you most looking forward to? And why is it La La Land? <laughs> it's, it's La La Land cause <laughs> no. uh, I'm gay for musicals and, uh, <laughs> I'm gay for Ryan Gosling. Mm. No, I, I, La La Land. I that just I remember seeing the trailer um, for yeah. it, and it just it. Just, I think we watched it here once. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just. I was like, I'm gonna. That's, I'm gonna see that movie. That's my number oh, yeah. one for the year, and I don't know. It's it's almost like I avoided it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna try to see it before Sunday night. Nice. So, um, but yeah, La La Land, and um, I'm really glad to see Hell or High Water mm-hmm. nominated. I'm surprised. That kind of surprises me a little bit. I every time I check the list for like for like things like like this episode and stuff, yeah. I'm so surprised to see Hell or High Water. Yeah. Like I, I just I just didn't expect it. Yeah, it's great. I'm, yeah. I'm really excited. I'm I'm bummed I miss Moonlight too. I don't know. If yeah. I'm, I don't think I'm gonna have a chance to see that. Um, yeah. I'm gonna try to see La La Land and uh, Manchester by the Sea before Sunday. So. Nice. Uh, yeah. Because Manchester by the Sea is on like Amazon Prime and. Isn't it? I don't think it's hit Amazon Prime yet. It might be on like Google Play and iTunes. And I thought stuff. I saw it online somewhere. Yeah, you, you can rent Prime. it. It's available to rent. That's what I meant. It was available for. Oh, yeah, gotcha. I, I, I thought you meant Prime like, Video. I didn't mean like free. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you can you can rent it. Yeah. And, oh man, that movie. Nice. Oof. I also heard the. I think they had the. I listened to NPR a lot at work. I don't know if right. they got me listening to it. Uh, they had the screenwriter on NPR. Oh, nice! And just hearing him talk about it, I was like, he his passion really stuck stuck out. Nice. So, yeah, I need to see that one. Sweet. And uh, let's see. As as for me, I mean, it's so okay. So I'll talk. I'll talk a little bit about the two movies that uh, 
that I've seen re- most recently, really. Hidden Figures and Lion. I, I brought up Hidden Figures on a potpourri recently that I'm not 100% sure has aired yet. So Hidden Figures, I'm, I'm going to talk about in a potpourri uh, next week um, on the podcast. So, uh, I mean, to kind of reiterate what I'm about, to, what I'm going to say on the podcast in the future, um, I, I think it's a fine movie. Like, and it tells a really important story and it, it does tell it well, but I don't know, just, it just, it feels like it doesn't fit with the best pictures, picture nominees. Okay. Um, it's just, it's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, but I, I don't know how to explain it. It just, it seems like a, uh, a weird entry for, for the best picture nominees. Okay. Um, but as far as Lion, uh, do you know, do you know anything about Lion? Nothing. Okay. So it's, Lion is a movie about, uh, I'll read the, I'll read the plot description because I'm not sure exactly how much would be spoilery. Okay. Um, cause a good part of the movie is, uh, is his childhood. So Lion, according to IMDb, the plot description of Lion, which, which did play at, uh, Heartland Film Festival. I, I missed it then too, but, uh, I just recently, uh, Watch it in theaters. So Lion is a, uh, here's the plot description. A five-year-old Indian boy gets lost on the streets of Calcutta, thousands of kilometers from home. He survives many challenges before being adopted by a couple in Australia. 25 years later, he sets out to find his lost family. Hmm. Um, and it's a really, it's, it's a really powerful movie. It's based on a true story. Um, it's, it's really powerful. Very, uh, well done. Dev Patel plays the, plays the main character. Um, and he does a phenomenal job. Um, I don't think it'll win. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be unhappy if it, if it surprised everyone. Nice. But, but my pick is it, it's either going to be La La Land or Manchester by the Sea. Okay. Um, in my opinion, um, because those are, those are the two, uh, kind of standouts there. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm thinking, uh, it's, it's, it'd be more than possible for, I'd say it's bordering on likely that La La Land will tie the record for most Oscars. I think it's 11 is the record. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it ties that or gets close to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, the Academy loves to uh, celebrate itself. And right. There's such a strong, like, old Hollywood feel to La La Land that I, I, yeah. I could see it, it being no contest. Like Birdman. Yeah, yeah. Which won a handful of Oscars. Right. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that'll do it for this for this episode here. Totes. Uh, once again, thank you to all the podcasts who joined in this year's Oscar nomination showcase episode. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a brief episode this year, but that's fine. Uh, the Oscars are this Sunday, so uh, let us know. We're going to have a discussion thread on the on the Facebook group. Please join the Facebook group, um, and uh, let us know what you think of the Oscars and and uh, who who you think is going to win. What you think about the results and everything and. Uh, Join us there. It's at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And, uh, having said all that, I'm going to kind of wrap things up here. You have a little spiel that I have to read. That's, I am at a loss here. Okay. If you like what you heard and you want to help support the podcast, the easiest way to do that would be to head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And also go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for all the podcasts that were in this, uh, this episode because they took time out of their schedules to uh, help us out here and they are all awesome. 
Uh, the more ratings and reviews we get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes' search results. And if you want to show your support with your wallet, you can do that by clicking the Donate button on ObsessiveViewer.com for a one-time donation or by clicking the Donate link in the show notes of this episode. You can also become a patron at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer where you can choose from several different reward tiers, all of which are tiers that I updated recently. So check that out at uh, Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer. Any donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running and is incredibly appreciated. And having said all that, Tiny, uh, next week we're doing... It's a, it's either going to be Netflix picks that we have from, from last week or... Yeah, it's, it'll be Netflix picks and then after that we have a special Buy the Rights uh, episode featuring the creators of Buy the Rights, a movie pitching party game. Yep. Which, yeah, which can be found on Amazon and I highly recommend it. Um... All right, and having said all that, I think we're done. Yep. Yeah, so in that case, guys, I'm, again, almost signing off the way I do phone calls at work. (laughs) Um, Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com, where we post movie and TV reviews, and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer, and follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.